Welcome to another episode of the Reboot Chronicles, a no-holds-barred forum with global leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and CEOs about how organizations stay focused on growth and innovation in unprecedented times. I'm your host, Dean Tobias, coming to you live from Revive's North American headquarters in Chicago, and we would like to thank you for joining us from around the globe today. I'd like to welcome Stephanie Stuckey. She's the CEO of Stuckey's, the roadside oasis that's famous for its pecan rolls, founded by her grandfather, who grew it from a simple Georgia pecan stand in the 30s to what I thought was America's favorite roadside oasis with over 350 stores set up by the 70s. But along the way, Stuckey's crazy road trip, I think it was um, bought out by a company called Pet Dairy in the 70s which then led the brand into what I call a perfect storms and things um, got a bit worse when the group was bought out by yet another conglomerate. And as a business historian myself, uh, what happened next I describe as your typical corporate train wreck as the brand fell out of favor with its owners, very common thing that happens and began slipping into the worst thing, which is irrelevance, obscurity and decline. But her dad reunited with the business in the 80s and rebooted the brand as a store within a store. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Stucky started showing up again across America's highways alongside Dairy Queen, which some of you know Warren Buffett eventually got involved in. But once again, Stucky's took a backseat on this long historical road trip. So a few years ago, our guest Stephanie, she took the wheel with a plan to acquire Stucky's to bring it back from the brink and back into a third generation family hands in order to reboot it into the 21st century. So Stephanie, it doesn't sound like you sleep much. Since then, you've purchased a healthy snack company, you've undergone a whole rebranding strategy, you've added franchise stores, you've expanded B2B retail customer bases, you've increased online sales, and oh yeah, you just acquired a pecan processing and candy manufacturing plant. Um, it's good to see you, by the way. The um, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, it's been quite a journey. Just reading that, I'm kind of... Uh, uh, nostalging up a little bit here. It's, it's like from the Great Depression to the Roaring Twenties. I think that's where we are now. Who knows about Roaring? But I, I just have one question, then we're done here. What, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> right. I think everybody in the world should have a rubber alligator and a coonskin cap and a pecan lobrel when they go on a road trip. <laughs> those of you that used to go to Stucky's years ago, that's the first thing you'd see as a kid. You'd start grabbing those in the aisles and, and making your parents buy them. That's why I'm doing it, just to put more happiness in the world. But seriously, it's for me, it is not just about selling pecan log rolls and rubber alligators. It's about the road trip experience. I just finished reading a great book. I'm a follower of other entrepreneurs who I really admire. And I just finished reading the story of Nike and he talks in the book about Phil Knight, and he said about, he was not just selling sneakers, but he was selling a way of life. And right. his target was clearly runners, right? And so that's what Stuckey's is. We're a road trip brand. And our mission, which we decided when I took over the brand in November of 2019, is we make road trips fun. So that's, right. that's what we're doing. That's why that's why I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and work these insane, crazy hours and I'm doing so much because I really think America's ready to revive the road trip and Stuckey's wants to be part of that. Yeah, we can jump into that uh, in a little bit. The whole 2020 uh, lockdown uh, pandemic has 
you know, there's been a resurgence and not just, you know, uh, road trips and travel on interstate, but also back roads and uh, a lot of your Absolutely. heritage is there. Absolutely. You know, as you know, as you know, I've been on a uh, many family enterprise boards. I'm actually still on two right now. And as you probably, <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, careful what you uh, say in a cocktail you know party. Saying, sure, I can help. No problem. Business. Yeah, it's not just, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, th this is, you know, this is business. Well, with a family, like you're never away from it. Right. It's, it's yeah, always and, there. Yeah, we, had, we had the CEO of Amway on the first non-family member uh, in their history the other day. And he said, you, you often are feeling like a psychologist, aren't you, Dean? I'm like, yes, absolutely, which is fine. But as you know, less than 15% of these companies make it to the third generation. I'm on one right now that's being transferred to a third generation, now, which is making it just fine. But the stats are not against you. You are bucking this trend. So everybody wants to know, you know, your history has been pretty well documented. So I thought we'd focus on the future. How actually, how are you rebooting this business? Well, let me first comment on the family business, how you pass along to the next generation, because I have given that some thought. And our journey at Stuckey's has been slightly different in that the business yeah. did fall out of family hands for decades. And like, I love the way you said corporate train wreck. I wrote that down as you were giving the intro. I want to remember that. We really were sort of this classic story of this nostalgic brand that got taken over by a corporation and trashed. Yep. And you've seen that time and time again. That story is played out throughout business history. Especially in the especially happen. in the conglomerate phase, you know, last century. Yes. We're getting better at it as companies now, buying smaller companies. But yeah. But they, I agree. And and I don't want to trash that process because it has been done well, but it really has to be a good fit. And it wasn't in our case. And so we got the brand back, which never happened. So that's where our story diverges from that typical scenario of the times. And so our me becoming the head of Stuckey's was different in that, I hate to say it, and I don't want to bash us other three Gers, but the third generation is quite often the generation that screws it up. You yes, know, the same, like you've got the visionary founder, and then you've got the second generation that builds it and continues and then the third generation we tend to be artists and poets and musicians and nothing wrong with that but not necessarily pursuing business careers sometimes and we call them uh, dividend kids but those of you that dividend uh, kids those of you that yeah, get the quarterly trust, dividends <laughs> trust fund kids absolutely and and a lot of those stereotypes frankly do hold true yeah. and some of them don't i think where we were different is that it wasn't in the family hands for most of my childhood years and so there was never the sense of entitlement or you're going to grow up and be the heiress to the pecan log roll fortune <laughs> but i'll also say it's something a nice title though i like it right i i like it so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm owning it and this might be something uh of, of interest to some of your clients and i've read a study about how middle children often make the best leaders for family businesses and it's because we don't have the sense of entitlement and we're often used to being the mediator and the facilitator the and the yes and I'm, all those I'm, skills i'm in i'm right in the middle I mean, we've got seven <laughs> so yeah yeah see i'm number four or five it kids. was a survival skill for you probably Yes. 
So I think it's, uh, you know, for me, I'm just grateful that I had this experience. I grew up seeing the stores decline and it broke my heart. And I always had such a strong connection with the brand because I knew my grandfather, but it was, and so it was very personal to me, but it, I, like you, grew up taking those family road trips and the Woody station wagon and being one of the younger kids, I was always thrown in the back without the air conditioning. So. Uh, yeah, that's where my sister Mikey went. So we had nine of us in the car, cross-country trips all the time, and uh, airplanes were invented. I don't know what happened to us, but the um, so we used to do these cross-country trips, and we stopped. I don't know why, just about at every other Stuckies. Not everyone, but every and and as kids, we liked it. It was an oasis. It was a break to get away from each other. If there was no air conditioning in the cars, what? Why? I don't know. It was invented then too. So, but when I was writing your intro. Um, and then reading it out loud, I got this little, just emotional sense, of course. But what I really was thinking is, oh, my gosh, you guys could have been Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> well, we could have been. But, you know, we are where we are. And that's the acceptance. Like you said, and I know I got off track, but your question was, how no, are we okay. rebooting? I think the greatest American story is the comeback story. Yep. So if we were Starbucks, we wouldn't be this wonderful comeback brand. And you, you have to accept life and take it where you are. And so I, Good advice. I, I try not to think woulda, shoulda, coulda. You would see us on every interstate if my gra grandfather hadn't sold and if it had yeah. been grown the way it should have because we were the OG of the road trip. We were on the interstate before, the interstate even. We started buying up land once I... Eisenhower announced that he was building the interstate highway system and my grandfather shifted his business model and went away from the back roads and the small towns and started locating where the highway was going. So we really were the original roadside retail. But we have such amazing brand value. And your story right there about taking road trips, I hear dozens of those literally every day, people contacting me with their personal stucky story i know i've seen them i've seen some of yeah. yours on linkedin some of uh, those of you uh, that uh, are on linkedin you should check her out she's got some great stories there that's why i'm doing what i'm doing is i think there is a place especially now with everything going on in the world and the sense of isolation and covid and frankly it's sometimes not a super happy time and evoking that sense of adventure and fun and exploring America and getting on the road and taking a road trip. That's what I'm tapping into. So how am I building back the company? Yeah. Three words, branding, branding, branding. We don't have a lot of money. I, I like to joke, we grow at the speed of cash, but what we do have is an amazing brand. That's something that's not on the balance sheets, right. but it is truly what is our most valuable commodity or a line item. It's that we have a brand that means something. And so for me to bring this company back, I have to be true to the brand. Yeah, and the investment, the investment will come. There's a lot of money out there. What when you look I, at I'm waiting uh, for it. <laughs> when, <laughs> oh, we get good coverage on this podcast. You'll be surprised. <laughs> but when you when you look at the markets, you've got baby boomers that know and understand the brand and then uh, just just, you know, millennials XYZ. So just call them all the next gen ones that maybe saw a lot of you, but not it wasn't even you know, back in the heyday. So there are a lot of nostalgic brands, but um 
what are you doing to kind of uh, that connected tissue between, you know, all the generations? How's that going? It's going great. And my background is in politics. I spent 14 years in elected office as a state representative. And my, my condolences. No, I'm kidding. No, I absolutely loved it. And no, I heard great things about you down there in Georgia. Yeah, you were actually. I, I had a good time. Yeah. And I got out of it the best way. I didn't run for reelection. So I had a good exit strategy, which is important in business as well. There's so many lessons I learned in politics that I've transferred over into how I run Stuckies. And the key thing is know your base, know your constituency, know who your voters are. So I knew who was likely to vote for me based on my issues, my platform, my district, my geography. And so having that very clear understanding of your brand when I was running for office, my brand was me. What, what do I stand for? Why am I doing this? How am I making people's lives better? What problem am I solving for them? You get that down and then you understand who is your market and you focus on them. And I don't need every millennial in the world or Gen Wire to be enamored with Stuckies. I'm not necessarily looking at much as much at age, although certainly the people who are going to be in the demographic of age 45 and up are going to have had a personal experience with Stuckies in the 70s, especially when we were at our peak. Yeah. But I'm tapping into that road trip. That's our brand. And that's timeless. And, a road and so trip, there may be 50-year-olds um, who hate to road trip and 20-year-olds who absolutely love it. And so I'm, we're about people who enjoy exploring America. Yeah, and does it have to be a real road trip? Can it be a virtual road trip or social or online or what, what else are you thinking about? Absolutely. And the way we make our money now, this is the, like I said earlier, you have to accept the reality of where you are. We don't have 360 stores. We don't even have 100 stores. We don't even have any corporate-owned stores, which also was my grandfather's model. He didn't own any stores. He had franchises, and he made money from franchise fees, but he made his money really from the sale of his product, and he also got a percentage from the sale of gas, which, unfortunately, that deal is long gone with Texaco. Right. Yeah, that was a good but, deal. Oh, my God. It was Smart a sweetheart deal. deal. That's dividend it's, check right there. Darn that pet dairy corporation we oh, lost yeah. that tail but uh, that that uh company is Voldemort in my household i don't like to say their name but those that we, follow the those that follow the program no i, I teach a program at kellogg but uh, we call them bfs's big fat and slows and they tend yeah. to uh, not know what to do with things but uh sounds like you, you know the company's in the right hands um did you just wake up one day and say i need to do this I, i've thought about it thought about it need to do it did you did you call your dad what did he say Oh, Lord, no. It didn't happen like that at all. I was happy in my sustainability world. I yeah, left, you had a nice life. Right? I left elected office to really focus on what had been my passion when I was in office, which is environmental issues. And yep. I had an opportunity to take over a small environmental law firm. I'm an attorney. And so I was suing large corporations, <laughs> representing <laughs> river keepers and the Sierra Club and protecting Georgia's environment. And I got a call from the mayor of Atlanta, who was a friend of mine, and he asked me to come over and run sustainability for the city. And so I was doing that. I 
had established an electric vehicle program, solar, urban agriculture, composting, recycling. I was all in the sustainability space. I was also teaching as an adjunct professor at the University of Georgia School of Law. I was teaching urban climate change. And I got an email literally one day from one of my dad's former business partners, and he asked me if I wanted to buy his shares of Stuckey's. It was strictly a, a transaction where yeah. they were looking to unload stock that, frankly, had been losing money for five years. Well, you had the right and, last name, too, though. So there's a little bit, and, a little and, bit and of honestly, serendipity there. I, I, I haven't asked, but and I don't want to know, but I don't know how many people they asked before they came to me. I'm thinking <laughs> I probably wasn't their first choice. Anyone looking at the balance sheets would probably have run screaming. I mean, you said you do a lot of work with private equity. Equity, no private equity investor would touch this. Yeah. It was a faded brand that was losing money. My dad and all his business partners had retired about a decade earlier when they sold their main business, which was Interstate Dairy Queen Corporation, to Warren Buffett. Right. And so they were off retired and they left Stuckey's with literally a skeleton crew running it. We had a distribution center. We have 60-ish franchise locations and only 20 of them were brick and mortar stores or are brick and mortar stores and the company wasn't doing well. So I looked at the balance sheets. I negotiated down the price. I bought the company. I bought 50% of the company and it was actually 49%. And I decided that if I was going to turn this thing around, I had to run it. And if you by 49% of the company, you're in a pretty good position to take over as CEO. And so that's what I did. And within six months, I started turning a profit. And that gave my dad the confidence to sell me his shares. And yeah. so I bought my dad nice. in June. Yeah, and exactly. had 100%. And that brought on a business partner. So now we jointly own the company. Yeah, that's exactly what I would have done. Yeah, you need some allies and help. Um, oh, you cannot do it yourself. You just can't. So forget about the Starbucks idea, but um, keep it in the back of your head. There's there's a niche there. You guys know coffee, not just because. If you look out five years, um, we usually don't say 10 years on this program. We're, what's it going to look like? Well, Let's let see. me just, I, I know I get off on tangents sometimes, but the coffee, we are working on a Stuckey's branded coffee line. It should be coming out very, very soon. And we're right. working on a pecan flavored coffee that will be organic. If you find pecan flavored coffee on in the stores now, not organic. It's got all sorts of artificial. It tastes chemi chemically. I don't yeah. think that's really, but it it does not taste. That's well, a good word. It's awful. Real. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we are. No, I had heard at, you were. Uh, I'd heard you were working on that in the lab. So that's that's exciting. It's going to be delicious. So just stay tuned. So that's part of our five year. You'll see coffee, and we are working on a strategic plan right now. But our future is in selling our product. Like I said, that's how we're driving our profit. And so even if you can't physically get in a car and go on a road trip, and even though there aren't that many locations, we are selling the idea of the road trip through our pecan-based products. We started as a pecan stand on the side of the road in 1937. And to this day, we're building this brand back with the basics, the road trip and the pecan. So we bought a pecan processing plant and a pecan candy plant six weeks ago. We will have our new 
branded line out in four to six weeks. So our five-year plan is just to sell, sell, sell all of our wonderful products to make the pecan America's favorite snack nut. It is the healthiest nut. It is America's only native snack nut. And it is absolutely delicious. Mm, yeah, you're wow. making a face. For those of you who can't see on the podcast, a lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> I usually say that, but yeah, I tried to hide it. I just thought all, cashews, I didn't know it was the only I didn't know it was the only native one. That that was the face. I'm like, huh, never thought about Which that. Which is sustainable. It's better for the environment to and yes, they grow almonds and pistachios in California and some other states, but the pecan is native. It's indigenous yeah, yeah. to this country. It's just there's something very special about it yep. that makes it, it it just tastes amazing it wasn't brought over and it wasn't made to adapt to our environment it thrives in our environment and the number one state for pecan produ production is georgia so yeah, yeah. our facility is in the heart of pecan country we're getting the freshest most delicious pecans you can get anywhere in the entire world our right where we are located. We are shelling them on site and literally taking them next door to the candy plant and processing them. And they're either being roasted and put in healthy snack nuts with amazing seasonings like teriyaki, lime, and barbecue. We're working on all sorts of flavorings and just basic sea salt is amazing. And then we're putting them into our Southern confections, which are based on my grandmother's original recipe. So that's how we're going to grow the brand. And hopefully near the tail end of that five-year period, our vision is to have corporate-owned stores that we would call Stucky's Oasis. And it would harken back to what we had in the past, but with a really fresh forward perspective. We would sell local products. We would have an experience. We'll have photo booths. We'll have coin-operated amusement machines. We'll have the best products anywhere that are fun and different and it'll be sustainable we'll have ev charging yeah when you say coin you mean bitcoin or never mind um so right the, the, um, i know oh, i've I, been i've been listening to all the bitcoin I've, I've just been, i mean there's a whole health and beauty wellness trend going on in this country and around the globe and um there is a ton of i've got three or four friends that have launched food companies everything from healthy snacks to additives you, you name it and well, looking at a lot of investing in the food space. So I think that whole, um, you know, sustainability is one thing, but having like really healthy snacks is something that the large corporations are, they just struggle with it. So they're in, they end up acquiring them. So, so do you become really more of a food uh, brand sold through distribution and retail and online uh, in, in the long run with some uh, kind of, um, you know, uh, company stores, kind of like, uh, kind of like the M&M store in uh, Times Square? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and we're but we are selling everything around this experience of taking a road trip, and that's what makes our brand different. Is that we really have a story to us. There's, I think there's something special about brands where it just evokes the memory when you taste it. And talking about healthy, the pecan has been consistently ranked as one of the healthiest nuts, yep. and it's super popular on the keto diet because of its carbohydrate content. So it's not Anti only delicious. Antioxidants and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's healthy. And I think there's you know, other things that we would hopefully look at as we expand and maybe with the help of some investment. 
pecan oil, pecan butter, pecan bars. The, the, the sky's the limit with pecan-based products. Pecan shells being used in barbecue chips to create the, the delicious roasted smoking yeah. foods, meats that would have that buttery taste in them. So, and that is a thing. And just we have to be able to perfect it and expand it and have it translate into an industrial process. I'm I'm learning the manufacturing world, which is fascinating. I have gone from clean air and clean water lawsuits and figuring out how to do solar for the city of Atlanta to manufacturing process and branding and packaging. <laughs> so it's been a complete career pivot after the age of 50. Yeah. Any uh, lessons from your grandfather that are coming uh, coming to fruition now? I think he gave you some tips on research years ago or what, yes. we, call, what we now call ethnography, <laughs> customer right? research. <laughs> he was really a master at what I call shoe leather learning. Just mm -hmm. go walk the streets, figure it out, observe and do it. And big picture, I think I take that from him because I don't have a background in this yet. I'm willing to dive into it and do it. Yes, my last name's Stucky. So I don't think any other company I would be able to run. But I don't think you'll be rebranding the company anytime soon with a different yeah, name either. <laughs> right. So, but that sense of you can do it and, and take a risk, yep. I got from him because he dropped out of law school at the University of Georgia, where I went during the depression because they couldn't afford it. And he was farming on his family's farm when he started selling pecans on the side of the road. And he didn't know retail. He didn't know how to build stores. He didn't know how to run a business. He didn't know how to run a factory or a trucking company or a billboard company, but he did it. And he figured out marketing. One of the marketing stories I like to tell about him, and there's a ton, but he really did learn by doing. And he would obsessively track where the cars that stopped at Stuckey's were coming from. And it was not uncommon if you go to Stuckey's to see my grandfather. Back in the day, they had clipboards. Now people mm -hmm. write notes on their phones and their tablets. But he would have a clipboard and start writing down where all the cars were coming from. Where were their tags? What were the state plates? And he was just obsessed with tracking where, the people, where his customers were. Who they were, where they were, what kind of cars were they driving? Were they family cars? Were they loaded up for a vacation? So he did meticulous research, and it was yep. his research. It wasn't yeah. mined from a computer. And not to say that there's not value in that, but there's something really personal and connected about being in the stores, meeting people, seeing what they look like, observing their cars. Do their Same cars look like they've been taking a road trip. He paid attention to that stuff. Does this look like a business traveler? Is this a trucker? Is this a bus? Right. Yeah, Who's yeah. my customer? And how can I make sure they want to pull over and that I'm meeting their needs when they do? And I know you've been doing that too, going around as a CEO. It's a, it's a lost art. Most uh, When I talk to retail CEOs, we had some of them on the program, you know, the last, I always ask them, when was the last time you hit 10 stores? And it's something Sam Walton did. If he had never done that, he never would have understood how, Sears and Montgomery Ward and JCPenney, all the original 
uh, uh, stores back then um, were missing the mark and how he could, uh, he didn't know he was going to dominate the world the way they are, largest corporation in the world, but that whole walking around thing, well, it's, yes. ba it's back. And I, I think you've learned a lot just by doing that and seeing how to shift your business model. And it's not just about profitability. It's all about growth for you. You've got um, being, you're almost unencumbered with, you know, if I don't have to run a network of stores, what else can we do? Sky's the limit. Right. Well, speaking of Sam Walton, that's another biography I, I recently reread. I'm in it. I read it many years ago when it first came out, Made in America. Mm -hmm. And to your point about him constantly checking on his stores, he also was just a retail student of lifelong learning. And he talks about going all around the world and wherever he went, he would go retailing. He would check out retail stores in Mexico, in Paris, in London, and he would be in there checking their prices and <laughs> looking at their displays. And so I, you can say what you want about Walmart. I've heard good, bad, everything in between. But I really admire Sam Walton and how he built that business and how he had his core principles and he stuck to them and he was dedicated to being the absolute best at offering low prices. That was his niche. Yep. He knew his niche and he owned it. And there's just so much learning in how he built that company. He killed it. He killed speaking, it. Of family, speaking of family businesses, uh, just uh, really want to join you, uh, or thank you for joining us for on the program today. But I thank just you. have one last question about that. What kind of advice would you give people that are listening in right now that are running family enterprise businesses? Um, you know, big and small. We've had obviously some big ones on the program and uh, some aspiring ones. And uh, yeah, basically, you've got a very unique perspective. I'm going to share a Phil Knight quote since I, that was the last book I read, Shoe Dog. And I love one of the things he said. And I wrote it down on a little index card, put it on my mirror. I look at it in the morning. It says, don't seek a job, a profession or a career. Seek a calling. And if you seek a call, so that's where the quote ends. Mm -hmm. If you seek a calling, you can weather the rough times because you are passionate about what you do. And it is not easy building a brand or actually, I, I think rebuilding a brand is harder because like I said earlier, I am where I am with this company. I didn't get to put all these pieces together. This is, this is what I got. And it's not even what I inherited. I, I bought this company. I'm not your typical third generation that this was handed to me. And I'm not sliding three Gers who had it handed to them. That's the way it happens in family businesses usually. But yeah. I, I actually put my life savings into buying this. And there are really rough days when I wake up and think, how are we going to make it? But we do. And we've been we've been growing this company within six months like i said we were profitable and yeah, you, that's what my dad that, said. you brought that you next know. generation of energy to yeah. the table and i uh, i encourage those of you that are running family businesses or even whether you're inheriting them or ask you ask the question you know if i made you buy the company would you do it that's commitment so yeah Stephanie, um some great, great. stories here yeah. we'll um we'll put, include some links on the uh, podcast for people and get to get a hold of you on uh LinkedIn, it's uh, good to see you. I hope to see you in a stucky sometime soon. And uh, I really want to check out your uh, pecan coffee. Sounds fantastic. I will send you some, Dean. I'm 
really grateful that you gave me this opportunity to share my story, share share oh, the Stucky story. Absolutely. You've been listening to Stephanie Stucky, the CEO of Stucky's. This is Dean Tobias with the Reboot Chronicles. Well, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon.